Salofalava, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Coming up. We're coming to you from the Magistrates Court uh, here in Suva, Court Number Two. Uh, we've just been um, charged and uh, appeared in court. Tensions are mounting in the lead up to Fiji's election day. Also, the geopolitics, the, the plus side of it, has, uh, as you said, is greater attention uh, to what the Pacific Islands need. A regional director for the UNDP discusses priorities for the Pacific in 2023. And later on... They've used the uh, messages to appeal to young people about the fact that smoking is not cool. A new survey shows a decline in smoking rates among New Zealand's Pacifica youth. Fiji is five days away from its general election and tensions are rising. So far, there's been low voter turnout for pre-polling, the People's Alliance Party's deputy leaders charged with allegations of vote buying, and questions regarding security or postal ballots are piling. Rachel Nath joins me to talk more about what's happening in Fiji. Bula Rachel, tell us more about these charges. Bulasana, so the charges are laid against the deputy leaders of the People's Alliance Party. This is Linda Tumbuya and Dan Lobendon. The two have been charged with vote buying and breaching of campaigning rules by the anti-corruption body in Fiji. So it's alleged that the deal tried to influence votes by soliciting 1,000 Fijian dollars, which comes to about 715 New Zealand dollars, to a sporting event in May this year. So these charges are quite significant because the People's Alliance Party, with its National Federation Party coalition, is a major opponent for the ruling Fiji First Party. So I guess all eyes will be on the outcome of this case. And how has turnout for pre-polling been? So pre-polling turnout continues to remain low. So far, the Fijian Elections Office highlights that the stats are still well below 70% which is much lower than the voter registrations. The Supervisor of Elections continues to call on voters to head down to the designated pre-polling venues and cast their votes. So the earlier, the um, Supervisor of Elections also alluded to the fact that they've put in a lot of effort to build awareness for pre-polling in rural areas for weeks now. And um, they continue to provide ongoing support on a daily basis in this week in the pre-polling by providing free transportation uh, for voters in certain areas to be able to cast their votes. Now, Rachel, tell us more about these questions regarding security of postal ballots. Well, Sana, this is an interesting development that has arised from the People's Alliance Party's deputy leader, Linda Tumbuya who claims that those voting by postal ballots could be subjected to security checks by DHL. What this means is that voters would have to reopen their ballot papers to show a DHL staff before uh, posting. Now, the Supervisor of Elections has cleared this out, stating that that would only be the case if those voting outside of Fiji were to use a different mailing envelope uh, as to what was sent by the elections office. The SEO says that DHL will not ask to open an envelope if ballot papers are posted through the prepaid return envelope issued by the uh, postal packaging. So he continues to explain that, look, security checks by DHL will only occur if a different envelope is used. So his message is pretty simple and it's clear. It's voters 
outside of Fiji must use the official documents that were sent by the elections office. Um, so there, there we are, you know, five days away from the general elections. And while we've seen issues from the get-go, the elections officials are quite hopeful for a positive turnout next week. But what that will look like, well, we'll all just have to wait and watch. Benakasana. The UN's Assistant Secretary-General hopes to see a renewed focus from Pacific Development Partners on raising climate ambitions and diversifying island economies heading into the new year. Kani Wignaraja concludes a two-day visit to New Zealand today, where she's met with the government, members of parliament and policy institutions in Wellington and Auckland. This comes straight off the back of similar meetings held in Australia. Ms. Wignaraja, who is also the UNDP's Asia-Pacific Regional Director, says the plus side of heightened geopolitical interest in the region is that more partners are actually listening to what Pacific leaders have to say. She spoke with Kuroi Hawkins, who began by asking if there's been any changes to development priorities following recent global and regional meetings, such as COP27 and the Pacific Islands Forum Leaders Meeting in September. I would say maybe a... um a more kind of a renewed or additional focus on uh, the whole um, level of climate ambition uh, and what we can do to accelerate some of the climate actions uh, that are needed. So uh, I would say there, um, working with UNDP uh, in the interest of seeing uh, the level of adaptation, what can we do more together? So maybe that comes out uh, much more. I feel also the um, question of uh, how fast uh, or faster we can help uh, Pacific Islands move to renewables uh, and ease not just the uh, the kind of uh, change their focus and energy transition, but also remember this is a huge um, weight on their debt uh, because they've got such large uh, fossil fuel bills that have to be paid. Uh, so that, I think, has also come out much more uh, than uh, than before. And maybe the third area that's gotten more um, focus uh, is uh, the whole area of development financing. And looking at this is how can one, both through climate financing, uh, the new instruments, uh, debt for nature swaps, uh, looking at um, risk insurance, um, and a range of instruments, I think, has, has come through more visibly uh, as necessary uh, in this dialogue and support to the Pacific. We, we've heard a lot about the geopolitics, about the increased interest in the region, um, and a lot about the negative side of that. But the other aspect of it is there's more resource, um, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, directed at the region in in terms first of all is that accurate and if it is how is that being positioned i guess or, or utilized in a way that would benefit the pacific countries i think you're right that uh, the geopolitics the the plus side of it has uh, as you said is greater attention uh, to what the pacific islands need uh, and therefore um more resources flowing uh, in this um, to uh, this part of the world. Uh, maybe the two areas that I, I find uh, there is um, a tremendous value add is a lot of these uh, island uh, nations or territories have often been um, 
very single product uh, economies, right? That have not been able to diversify and haven't had the the depth or range of financing um, and institutions to diversify. I think with more of these funds coming through, uh, the hope is that pri and primarily through the ocean economy, um, that these countries can actually um, get a better deal economically and be able to um, have revenue sources um, that don't leave them so vulnerable to a single uh, sector. So I think that's a big one. And maybe the second is by having all this attention, um, it finally put um, front and center something Pacific Island leadership have been saying for a while that they've got very little uh, to do with carbon emissions. And it's not uh, on them that we're seeing the warming of the seas and the sinking of some of these atolls very quickly. Uh, and yet um, they've been ignored on this. But now uh, with more visibility, I think the whole issue of, of uh, saying we've got to look at how both uh, to invest more in the technology, the infrastructure, looking at loss and damages, um, that's more on the table. Uh, so I think for both these reasons, um, that's a positive uh, uh, fall out of uh, being more at the centre of global attention. Coming back to your work here in New Zealand, are there any expected announcements or actions to come out of this visit? Well, I don't think a particular announcement, but I think uh, you will see um, in the coming uh, months and certainly headed into the new year, uh, hopefully that renewed uh, relationship uh, between New Zealand and UNDP, which has been very strong. Uh, but I hope to see it um, strengthened even further. And I would say it's in these big three areas of support to governance work, because that is so fundamental to UNDP's mandate, support to a more ambitious climate action agenda, and a support to really zooming in on some of the big gender disparities that are growing in the region. So when you put these three uh, things together, there is such a confluence of UNDPs and uh, the government of New Zealand, the people of New Zealand, uh, the support for these three big uh, items. And I think that is something I hope then shows uh, in the fact that New Zealand's always been a very reliable and trusted partner. And I certainly hope uh, it will continue to punch above its weight both from a voice and advocacy point of view, but also from a resourcing point of view. A newly released survey shows daily smoking rates for New Zealand Pacifica youth are at a record low of less than 2%, a massive decrease from 5.3%. Published by Action for Smoke Free, the survey is one of the largest youth smoking surveys in the world, with almost 30,000 year 10 student participants ages 14 and 15 years old. The survey looks at both vaping and tobacco use. Young Kohut has a story. In the Action for Smoke-Free survey, a total of 45% of Pacific Year 10 students have tried vaping. 11% vape daily as opposed to 1.2% who are daily smokers and 2.6% are regular smokers. 
Group Board Director Sir Colin Tukuitonga, who is a strong advocate for Māori and Pacific health, credits the decrease in smoking rates to Māori smoke-free Aotearoa messages. But I think generally what has worked has been the Māori smoke-free Aotearoa. They've used the messages to appeal to young people about the fact that smoking is not cool. And they've used uh, prominent sports people to promote that message to really try to get young people to accept uh, a movement away from smoking. However, does this mean that younger people are smoking less or are they buying cigarettes and vapes when they earn money? Meaning rather than smoking at 14 to 15 years old, young people could be picking up the habit when they get their first paycheck. Tala Pacifica lead for Hape Te Haura's National Tobacco Control Advocacy Service, Lealai Lepule Edward Cowley, says there is a gap between people already smoking compared to those in the age group who can't legally purchase tobacco, which shows not all age groups have stopped smoking. Yes, so it's difficult for young people to access tobacco, which is probably why we see a drop. But where we do see an increase is our 18 to 24-year-olds. So whilst they're a young age when they're at school, we've seen the decrease. Once young people start working and start earning their own money, then they're able to access and sort of purchase things that they want to purchase. So we do see an increase in that age group. Medical Director at Cancer Society, Dr George Lacking, says adults will remain smoke-free if they haven't taken it up in their teenage years. Initiation of smoking characteristically occurs in youth. If you can get through your teen years without taking up smoking, uh, then you're just less likely to take it up uh, in general. They basically sort of missed the opportunity to take up smoking and, and they're not especially likely to take it up later on. Mr Lacking also says there is a clear decline in tobacco use for both young people and elders, a positive sign for Pacific and Māori youth. The survey shows a clear decrease in tobacco use this year among year 10 groups which certainly suggests, as Mr Lacking said, that young people in the future are much less likely to pick up smoking, even though some young people are currently picking up the bad habit when they are 18 years old. However, a smoke-free New Zealand in 2025 still looks grim, according to Mr Lacking, who says there is currently a lack of regulation and legislation in place. He said tobacco use is still prevalent in Māori communities, which will still take a bit of time to reduce. To find out more about the annual ASH Year 10 survey, visit ASH Year 10 Snapshot Survey 2021 Nation Builder. That's Pacific Ways for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Avitai lover, Manuele Vayaso.